You're listening to Good Lad Unscripted with your host. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Good Lad Unscripted, the podcast. I'm Terry Goodlad. My guest again today, you're the guest on, on my last show. I, honestly, Anna's kind of abandoned us here. She's going out doing uh, some course today on... Uh, to be a better parent, be a better how parent to better manage her. children. Yeah, our our, our As foster she leaves kids us here with the children, which is not a good way to manage children. <laughs> She's failed. Can we really be trusted? She's failed us anyway. <laughs> Today's show is brought to you by Silver Bullet Anti Aging. Susie Bell is our actually. You're a patient of Susie's. I sure am. I'm a patient of Susie's. And uh, and we're believers, so we uh, we wanted to talk about it. So uh, Silver Bullet Anti Aging is. It's, it's hormone replacement therapy, and I think it's a, a much uh, misunderstood, I, I think less and less so, though, don't you? You know, I, I don't know. I, I think a lot of women are still not sure about it, and I've been telling everybody that comes across my path, because if you are, shoot, you could be 35 and start dealing with hormonal issues that you don't well, realize just, are hormonal issues. Basically, what hormone replacement therapy is, is if you are a deficient in hormones, so you have you're tested. You blood test. Right. You right? get your blood tested, and, and inevitably, and if you have a deficiency, what they do is they supplement right. that deficiency right. so that you feel better. You have more energy. You have you know not lethargic. You can focus. Uh, you positive. May have, you may be at the point where you have night sweats and things like that. So there's all kinds of changes that happen to your body due to hormone changes. So have you had night sweats? Yes. I don't get night sweats. Here's the deal, Terry. I started menopause when I was 52, mm -hmm. so I'm three years into menopause. I've had every kind of symptom imaginable, you know, for menopause. Does menopause ever pause? Never pauses. No, it goes pretty fast. The actually. name isn't even right. It's a so. bad dad joke. Yeah, it's a very bad <laughs> Actually, Anna's a patient as well, and it's it's been life-changing for me. It sets me straight. Completely life-changing. It makes yeah. you feel like you're 35, 40 again, and and I'm, I'm 55, and the hormone replacement is just making me feel amazing if you're, again. Generally speaking, I think if you're over 35, if you have troubles with energy, with staying focused, you know, um, maybe moods, you know, mood swings or feeling depressed or things like that. It's not a bad thing to look into. Uh, Silverbulletantiaging.com. I'll put a link in the description down below. Yes. And we're also brought by brought to you by blessedbodywear.com. Right now, right now, until uh, Valentine's Day, there's the buy one, get second item for 50% 50 off. off. Yes. That's equal or lesser value. So uh, blessedbodywear.com, look into that. Okay, so all the business out of the way. We want to talk about living a life of service. <clears throat> now, I, I chose the topic today. Um, uh, you know, again, I've known you since you were 22, you're 55 now. Um, and, and that's been a, a thing that I, I think was ingrained into you by your parents, mm -hmm. but, uh, you, both you and your sister, even your brother, uh, all three of you are, are really, uh, service oriented really. And what I mean by that is that, um, you know, if you, if you need something, <laughs> you know, if, 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 you if the chips are us. down, whether, whatever it is. You know, e Elaine will be there, Michelle will be there, Donald will be there. Uh, talk a little bit about that whole 
concept of service? Why why are you guys like that? What what did your parents teach you? You know, I think just even being raised in the church as we were, um, it it was never supposed to be about you. It's about it's about what you can give back to society, which I think is an amazing way to grow up. In that sense, you you do find that you don't just focus on me, 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 and woe is me. You focus on how you can help others, how you can bless others. Um, you know, uh, even when when you find yourself in a bad place, either you're sick or you're wh- whatever's going on, stop and focus on what somebody else might be going through and reach out to somebody else who may be hurting or maybe going through something. And you'll be surprised how it takes the focus off of you and you actually feel a little bit better about your own situation. I remember the day uh, you sent me a message. It was one morning and it was this really, really encouraging message. And it was just that day, I really, really needed that message. And and I wrote back and thank you very much for that. And, you know, like, well, geez, thanks, you know. And, and what you said is that is that you told me that you were having a really, really bad day and so your cure for that bad day so that you could feel better was to make others feel better. So you spent time in, and since then, every day I send an encouraging or positive or an upbeat message to somebody every day because of that. And it's true. You really do. Like, I really feel It's amazing. Better. Yes. And when I did Because they write back and they're always grateful and happy and thank you very much. Maybe they'll tell you, you know, what they're going through and say, Jesus makes me feel better. I want to tackle this thing now, or I want to get on with my day anyway, or it gives me, you know, some strength. And, and then you already feel better about your situation. And, right. and also I had already heard that. And, and, you know, I think I was listening to Joel Osteen or something on the radio. And I think that came across because his mother, she was diagnosed with that terminal cancer mm-hmm. and what she did. And, and she, I mean, this goes above and beyond what most people will even do, but she was diagnosed and she was suffering from all the things that cancer has to offer. Mm-hmm. And instead of sitting at home and fading away and feeling sorry for herself, she went out and she went and prayed for and with others who were suffering from any kind of illness, cancer, anything, because she wasn't going to focus on her own illness and and allow it to get worse. And that service attitude, um, when I'm having a really bad day and I'm just feeling really low, it could, it could be finances, it could be a relationship, it could be just, I'm just feeling depressed that day. There's always the more than enough was, reasons to feel there bad. There are a, right? lot, a lot of reasons. <laughs> and so I thought, okay, if I, I can sit here and feel sorry for myself and cry and, and pray, God, why always me, you know, whatever. Or you reach out and you try to lift, uplift somebody else's day, I'm telling you, it's a life changer. It really, really is. It is. I started doing it, like I said, and uh, it just changed everything for me. You were the one that really, uh, I mean, it was a series of events, but you were the one that brought me to God. And, uh, you know, when I gave my life to Christ the first time, that was way back when I was 30. It was you that did it, and it was you that's taught me this service thing. And now, you know, when I go back and I recap my life, I'm 60 now. And, and I think back to, you know, when I was young, what it was all about, you know, you, we have all these stages we go through in life, you know, all I, well, when I get through high school, you know, I'm going to be happy. Finally, I don't have to do, you know, I'm going to get a job and, you know, so you do that and you get your job and then you got the job and it, it's just another chapter of life. It, it's not utopia, mm-hmm. right? There's good days and bad days and problems and, and like that. And so you think, well, okay, well, when I get more money, you know, or when if I get only married, I could get to this point, yeah, then if I'll we be can have kids, you know, if I get that car, if I get this house, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it just, it's, it, it went like that for years, you know, for Most me. Most people spend their whole life going like that and they miss the whole point because the point is the journey. 
Right. And I mean, I, I think a lot of it too is a lot of it is always just like, okay, well, money, you know, like I'm happy. I got my wife now, I got my kids, you know, I got my house, you know, like that. Everything's great. But if I just had more money, you know, mm-hmm. if I could just, you know, then I'd be happy, you know, and then I look at, uh, you know, you and I were very fortunate. Uh, we had times when we had financial abundance and then times when, you know, everything was lost and then we got financial abundance again and then everything was lost again. And, you know, we had those ups and downs and, and when you're in business, that's, that's a pretty typical thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not just in business, you can have a job and lose your job. You know, you, anything can happen. And so what I learned is, and then there's the other side of it. And we know some extremely wealthy people like, extremely wealthy yeah. people. <laughs> and we were running down the list earlier this morning when we were talking about and doing this show. And I didn't even have to think about it. When no, you asked we went me down which the list one of the, these are happy. Yes, and not one of I them. I couldn't think of one of them that was Not one like of them is happy. Super happy. Right? Yeah, they got the same struggles and that's the thing. They just think, okay, well, if I get a million, I'll be happy. Well, if I get two million, I'll be, if I get 10 million, I'll be happy. If I can get 10 million and buy that boat, I'll be happy. And it's just well, happiness Some of them just aren't in the, in, they're not in the right relationships or they're not in the right, whatever whatever it is. And I think to myself, man, if I had what you have, but it it doesn't come with money. What it comes with is your, your ability to, first of all, love yourself and be okay with yourself. Mm -hmm. And then think about what, what you've been given that comes naturally to you. Like you, you come by very honestly, that gives you the ability to serve others Mm -hmm. in any way. Like we all have gifts. We all have that gift that People, you know, will usually tell us, and sometimes we don't notice we have the gift, but they'll say, oh man, you're, you're, you're so this or you're so that. I just love the way, you're, you know, you're always there for others or you're always, you're always able to, you know, cook up a big meal no matter who's coming over to the house. You're always able to feed everybody. You're, whatever, whatever your gift is, realize that that gift isn't there for nothing and it's, a, it's there for you to be able to serve others. And when we pay it forward and we give, and it's not that we do it because things come back to us, but sometimes we fight so hard just to to get our own and and mm-hmm. you know it's just fix my bank account, fix this, fix that about me. But I think that when you stop focusing on yourself and your own money and your own this or that or the other thing, just realize I've got a gift. Because what are we here on this planet for? If we don't have the ability to serve others and make a difference in this society, look how dark things get sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's just, there's a lot of spiritual warfare out there. Just being the U.S. during an election. Exactly. <laughs> Again, like <laughs> or I said, or whatever spiritual the case may be, right? going yeah, on exactly, there. Right? <laughs> um, the whole point is, you know, this life can get really crazy and the things going on around us are very crazy. So shouldn't we be trying to make a difference? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I agree. And, and, you know, at 60, you know, I used to never understood, you know, old guys, right. You know, you get up there, you get up around 60, 50, you know, that at one point in time in my life, that was old. I don't mm, think it's old now. I still think it's old. Hey, we just walked out of the gym this morning. Okay. And in, in the land of the living dead there, and you and I were going like full out, yeah. you know, doing our yeah, workout because we, we do this high good. intensity thing. And, you know, yeah, I'm not, I'm not what I thought 60 was when I was 30, no. you know, but I, I look back at, at those times and, and I was chasing those things that I thought would, have, and don't get me wrong, having money, being able to pay your bills, um, 
it's does a necessity. It, does it make you happy? No, but it takes a lot of stress and misery stress out of your away, life right, having that money. Right. You know, there's but no question. What I found over the years that if I focused on the money, mm-hmm. I thought I, I just, you know, money, 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 I have to make more money. I have to, that didn't make me happy. No. But when I took the focus off of money and I, and I just learned how to do what I do well, because mm-hmm. inevitably if you do what you do well, you're going to make money. But also right. if you become more of a servant heart and you're there to make this planet better, to make people better, to reach out to people who really need something. There's so much there's so much darkness. Like I said, you, you meet people who I meet people who are suicidal. I meet people that have real problems mm-hmm. and they're suffering from depression. And I used to suffer from depression. And I'm thinking if I could help one person today, you know, mm-hmm. and it's not just about how much money I can make that day. Because if it's about that, then I've missed the whole purpose. And if you focus on the things, like I said, like I told you, um, we were ta- I was listening to, I don't know if it was Tony Robbins or... Um, Joel Osteen. No, there was another really... Um, Jim Rohn. Tracy, Brian Tracy. Brian Tracy, yeah. And they said, if you do what you do that comes by that you come by the most honestly, that you don't even realize it's your gift, but you just do it so naturally. That's the thing that you're going to make the most money at in life because it's your, it's, it's a gift. Like it's something you just have and you're natural at it and you're good at it. Um, so, you know, the way you talk to people and minister to people, there's something about you that, that you're gifted of reaching people and you have so much passion and compassion. So you're good at reaching people that way. Whatever your gift is that you come by most honestly, that's what you're inevitably going to become the most rich doing. Mm-hmm. But we, so if you just focus on what you love and what you love is a gift and what you have as a gift helps others, mm-hmm. it's going to come to you. Just don't focus on the money. Right. I, I agree. I, I, you know, I've I, again reached that point where I don't, you know, I don't need as much anymore. Cause at the end of the day, money, we, we say money. Okay. So, so there's, there's money that, okay, I can pay my medical bills money. There's money that I can pay my mortgage money. There's money that, okay, I can live comfortably and retire money, you know, and then there's money when you get past all the life necessities, that's just money for the sake of having more money, but just having the money itself might give you some peace of mind, perhaps. I don't know, you know, but it's, it's, it's when you get there, it's kind of hollow because, unless you go and spend it on something and you know and I, and I remember when we were we just did an overhaul of our garage right because we you know we have some of your stuff here we were storing we were going to clean it all out put everything in storage and use it actually to store cars in so <laughs> we we did that we're going through stuff and i'm going okay there's all i'm looking at all the stuff that i just had to have you know at this point because it was you know i needed it and i was going to make me happier and i'm going like okay now where the heck can i store this crap but look how you're at a different place now totally different place you, i remember some of those you really yeah. needed or wanted those things yeah, and I think we go through life um, trying to fill voids and trying to fill little mm-hmm. holes in our lives, and and going and shopping and buying this and that, you know, and, and we think that that's going to fix something or but fill that void, but it doesn't. It's just like it feels a, good for a minute. It's like getting drunk. It does. You know, it, it feels you good for a, a minute, car, and you wake up the next day, and it's like now it's just empty, right? right? But I think the point is, is that if you don't focus on those things, and for me, everything's changed. Just just actually getting older, my mm-hmm. whole perspective on everything has changed. I really look around and feel like I really don't need anything. Look at me. I'm living out of a suitcase half the time. Right. I live half the time in Florida. Half the time here in Vegas. And I live half Vegas. the time here. And I'm just living out of a suitcase. What do I need? 
I need nothing. A good I have suitcase. a vehicle to get around in. I need a, I need a good suitcase. <laughs> I travel a lot. I, I have good people, good relationships. And what I'm finding is what I'm getting the most reward from or the only reward from is my relationships mm-hmm. and how I'm helping others. And trust me, when you use your gift to give to others or just to make a difference in somebody's life, that comes back to you in so many different ways. And for me, it's all about those feel-good ways. So mm-hmm. when I get emails or text messages and and I actually impacted somebody's life or changed somebody's life, that's really the only thing that matters to me. Because like I said, I know people who have more than enough money, but their lives are hollow if they're not doing something else with their mm-hmm. time. So my, my suggestion, even if, whether you have a lot of money or whether you don't have much and you're just stressed about money all the time, Learn to be content. Number one, you have to love yourself because if you don't love yourself, then you're stuck in this vicious cycle of just trying to find something to make you happy. For right. me, it was food for many, many years. It was, it was, I was such a, you know, terrible thing to have to focus on food all the time because I needed something to save my life every day. So I understand those kinds of problems, but get to the bottom, get to the root of those problems so you can really start living your life, making a difference in the world because that's what's really going to matter in the end. Mm-hmm. and all the money in the world, I don't care if you have all the money in the world, I don't care if you make so much money you don't even have to do with it. Find something constructive to do with it. Mm-hmm. Still get out and reach out. Volunteer. Do something that changes a life. And there are so many children, women, there's so many people out there with bigger, bigger problems, they can't make it. Right. They don't have shoes on their feet. Like There's so many ways we can make a difference. And that's where my heart is. If I do ever come into a lot more money, that's what I'll just be giving more because that's what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. And I don't, because I, I physically do not need anything. Like, right. I don't even know that I'd go buy a different car. I've got a, I've got a Nissan Rogue. I got a brand new. It's a great car. It works great. It's a great, great car. A it literally drives itself. It's one of that technology. <laughs> so I'm really happy with it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to go out and buy a, a, a nicer, more, you know. Right. I don't, you know, I don't have to buy that car. Right. So, well, I mean, the, the, the truth is, is that in Florida, you're, you're driving a Mercedes Benz. Right. I drive, yeah, I drive a Mercedes in Florida. Is it any better? Than no, it's no different or no better right. uh, other than it uses gas a lot And a faster. bunch of people that don't know you that you don't care about might be impressed by it. Yeah, but yeah. It's but a, the people that know you could care less what you drive up in. So do you want to know what kind of Mercedes it is? No, <laughs> just kidding. No, but the point is, is it doesn't make me any happier. Right. You know, if you really want to get somewhere and fast. That's the truth. Where this point happy. really got driven home to me is, uh, is being a foster parent. Uh, because you see these kids, they come and they're, you know, every kid that is in the foster system is traumatized. Just, just if, if regardless of what happened, just the experience of being taken from your parents into your home, coming into child protective services, you know, in, under, under their care, maybe staying at child haven for a while, or even just going to a stranger's home. Just imagine being a little person and all of a sudden, some strangers, like I remember when we first got, when we first got Jesse, you know, he was four and a half weeks old. Months. Well, he had, or months old, sorry. And he'd been taken from his mom and he, he was at Child Haven for a couple of weeks. Well, they were so overloaded. They had kids in the hallways. There's not enough foster parents. Mm. So there was kids they didn't have rooms for. They were just in the hallways. And so nobody's holding these kids or loving on them. They're not getting the attention they've been getting for the first, you know, until they were taken away, in his case anyway. And, and then he came to us and we took a picture and 
we took a picture five days later and he had gained something like three pounds in that week and looked like a completely different kid, almost unrecognizable. He was four and a half months old and looked stressed out. His yeah, he face, was stressed out. He had out. bags under his eyes at four and a half and, months. And he still has separation anxiety even from back then. That's and he's one three of the and things we do. years old now. Right. Yeah. And, and so the thing it is, is uh, now when we got the girls, they had been with their mother, went to a foster home, then from a foster home to live with a relative, and then they came from that relative in a very dangerous situation there and came to us. Now, it was, I think, I don't know, it was night, like nine, I want to say nine o'clock at night. Uh, they landed at the airport. We met the social worker at the pickup lane there. They handed over the kids and their, their things, and then they went to their car and went home, and we took the kids home. Imagine how terrifying that must be. Now, those kids were, they weren't even I think Emma was a one and one Katie and was barely two, two and a half years yeah. old. Yeah. And they have to, they have to believe that somebody is actually going to take care of them and not abuse them. And, and the whole thing is here's little two year old Katie comforting one year old Emma. Mm -hmm. You know and what I mean? I remember and, when and, you first brought them in the house, right. she was already so acutely aware that she had to make somebody happy so that maybe they, they could would, have, they'd be safe. Maybe they would be safe. They would have a good home or right. maybe they could call these ones mommy and daddy and they'd be there forever, mommy and right. daddy. They didn't even know what that meant. No. And you know what? That's what, A two-year-old should never be grateful. No. And <laughs> a two-year-old have shouldn't have to manipulate adults no. to try to suck up to them right. and make them happy and maybe they'll keep me. And now I, she's- It was the weirdest thing I've it, ever it, seen in my life. Incredible. And, and now she's four and- you know, it, you know, Anna, Anna is, you know, she's in, the kids are in therapy twice a week. Before that, it used to be three times a week, every week. And Anna's been the one working with them. I, you know, I obviously do my part and you do your part. You're very much a part of their life. Uh, but the kids have come around. And, and, and for me, going back to that point of, of realization of, uh, th this is a point in my life when I've been the least uh, focused on making money. And we've had the least amount of money uh, because these kids need so much that being away from the home, it's very draining on Anna to have to deal because you got three very troubled kids and each manifests in so it's just, it's, 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 it's not just three toddlers. It's three traumatized toddlers. And so it, it's a very intense environment. A lot of the time, as you know, and, uh, and so, it's important that we both be here as much as we can. And so you can't be in two places at once. So, you know, work kind of work takes a work gets done, you know, after kids go to bed while they're napping in the morning, get, you know, I'll run out for a couple hours, go to a coffee. So the point is, is that money has not been the focus. Uh, it's been stressful because, you know, it gets tight some months and things like that. But, but you look at those kids and when the kids, like, I remember the first time that uh, Emma had a tantrum and Anna and I almost cried because this kid would not react herself. to anything. She actually felt entitled enough to have an opinion that she would have a tantrum. The day she did, we almost cried. And now we see these kids now and the confidence they have now oh my gosh. compared to when they came, you know, and th this is something that really changed my life and my viewpoint as to what's important in life is when I, okay. Cause I, for me, these kids, I didn't, I never dreamed of having kids. No. Right. And, really at this stage in my life, the last thing I want is to be around a bunch of three-year-olds 24 seven in my mind. Right. But when you look, go to, the, go to child Haven, 
Mm-hmm. or look at these children that came into this home and you realize how great the need is, it really puts things in perspective that how dare we mm-hmm. focus on me, me, me mm-hmm. and what I might be able to go buy at the store and what I'm missing in my life. And you see these these kids that need so much and all they want is a family to love them. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's battered women out there. There's, there's kids out there that don't have homes. There's kids being trafficked everywhere in the world it's there's such great need that mm-hmm. if we all did our part and used our gift however that might look you can still change someone's life whether mm-hmm. you're the kind of person who wants to take in foster kids or you're the kind of person that wants to donate towards these causes whatever it is just do something yeah. and, and and honestly it's changed me so much that if I see people just, they're bored, so they're going to go spend some money on some crap at the mall or, oh, I need another car. No, you don't need another car. I just really, I really have a hard time with that because my folk, I'm, I'm a minimalist anyway. And when you're already a minimalist and stuff doesn't matter to you, I just... I want to make a difference. Mm-hmm. And what have I been doing? I, I watch cold case files and forensic files and lost children. And you know, I, I watch all these program, <laughs> programs all the time. I'm ignoring you. I watch these programs all the time. And I think that my calling is to go rescue people. I right. still think that's part of my calling. Of course, I'm not a cop. I don't have that background. I don't know what I'm going to be able to do, but I'm going to contact some organizations when I have the time, you know, away from work to to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Animals, shoot, look at all the abused animals right. out there. I want no, to so save much need. somebody. There's so much need, and and you know, I've always had a, a heart of service as well. I was I was a cop, you know, right. Uh, and it's always been something that you know, the the underdog, the guy that gets picked on, the guy that gets bullied. You know, I'm always You've the guy. You've always that, you know, stuck up for the underdog. Yeah, there's guys, you know, like that's always been the way I've I've been, and and. Uh, but so much more now since I've seen these kids because it's, it's you know, there's the moment when, uh, like Kwame near Jesse, just wanted to go down, want to have a snap, and he wanted daddy to put him in bed. And, you know, those are really special moments when, you know, he just wants daddy to hold him and I sang to him. So he made me sing the song three times and like that. Um, but I think about what his life could have maybe been and he can have this now. With the girls especially, I look at them and I see them just settling in and feeling at home. You know, we're very, very close now uh, on uh, tomorrow, no, Wednesday. We sign um, the documents, everything gets submitted to court, oh. and we'll be looking at, uh, we just need a court date now, and then we'll be adopting the girls. And so uh, Katie was having some distress yesterday. Mm-hmm. And so I just took her into the room and talked to her. And of course, she's always afraid she's in trouble, always mm-hmm. in, in trouble, mm-hmm. right? And uh, so I went in there and I explained to her that, because she's getting old enough, she can understand, and that she is going to be our daughter forever. And I needed to teach her because she's still, you know, she's four she years old. She has control issues. Well, she has control she issues, has but a- also she thinks that she needs to earn love, acceptance, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when she does something wrong, she cries, but she's not crying because she's sad. She's crying because she's afraid she won't be able to stay here anymore. Well, you were the fourth mommy and daddy she had by the time she was two years old. Right. Think about that. Four mommies and daddies. Any adult and couple so comes into the room, she thinks it's because she's mommy bad. and daddy. Yeah. It, it's crazy. And so I had I talked to her yesterday, and, and it, was, it was intense. I'm using that word again, but it was so intense because I'm, I'm telling her, sweetheart, Mommy and daddy love you. Even if you do something wrong, 
or even if you're having a bad day and you do something bad, I said, we still love you when you're then. And I said, you're never going anywhere. This is your home where your mommy and daddy for the rest of your life. And this is your home and you will always be here. And Elaine, she took a deep breath and her whole body just went, yeah, and she can't just, imagine how and much she just smiled at me and, and, she, you know, and her little mind is figuring that out in the way she will, like she'll come up with questions now for the next week or two, just randomly as she processes that in her head, trying to understand it. But the thing of it is, is that she's, you know, still at four years old. And so be able to be able to see a little soul, a beautiful little soul like that, because she's so creative and so smart and just, you know, she made everybody happy faces the other day, yesterday. She took a piece of construction paper, drew happy faces on a bunch of little squares, then cut them up and went around the house handing them to everybody so they would feel better. That's what she does. That's Katie. Yes. You know, and so you look at that and you go, you know what? When she got here, she was afraid for her life. Mm -hmm. And now she can think about people and go and make happy faces. You know what I mean? And I look at that and I go, you know what? I don't care about the money. Right. The money no, will the come. And I don't care that... I don't care that I haven't written my book yet. And I don't care that maybe I didn't get that podcast done this week. If, if that time got spent on those kids. Cause we and, only have one chance to do this. And you know how before the age of five, and this is a whole everything, life, a whole life is almost molded by the time they're five years old with their experiences up to the age and of five. And if you want to complain about the world and if you want to complain about politicians and if you want to complain about entitled generations and you want to complain about stuff, why don't you do something about it? Right. And you do something about it by connecting with somebody in a deep and rich way, take the good and the bad, all of it, and just be a pillar of strength for them, be an example to them. They may not change the way you want them to change now, but you're planting seeds every day. Mm -hmm. You know, I look at Crystal, Jesse's mom. You know, she calls me dad now. Mm-hmm. And she's as much a part of this family as he is. She's like another daughter when she's here. And and I think of where she came from. Like this girl was, this girl was a gangbanger. She was raised, she was raised in that. By people like she told to me one day, she says, dad, I don't know anybody in my family or any of our friends that weren't gangbangers. Everybody's in the gang. Her mom's in prison right now. Yeah. Her mom's committed murder. Like she, she told me one Christmas morning, she came down expecting Christmas and nothing. There's nobody in the house. And she turned on the TV and there's a, it just happened to be a news story about her mom got arrested for murder. Oh, that was Christmas morning. That's when she was a little girl. You know, mom's in now doing a, a bit for... Attempted murder. For attempted murder. And uh, and that was after her uncle got murdered. Her uncle got murdered. So, so she did a retaliatory hit on a relative. Yeah, yeah, did a retaliatory hit. Yeah, and just, so, so that's her whole... That's all she knew is that. And now she's got her GED. She got off the drugs. Got uh, went to school, became a phlebotomist and a medical and a assistant, medical assistant. Yeah. and uh, and now she's looking at having a life and a career. And she goes to church with us every Sunday, and and she's part of our family now. And so you look at that and you think that's a life changed, a whole life changed. And had and aunt, had you not taken interest in her as the mother of the of the child you were fostering, right? You would have been fighting over this child with her because she wouldn't want to have anything to do with you. No. And the thing is, is also had I not had the experiences I had in my life Mm -hmm. and did the stuff I did when I was younger, 
um, I, I, I wouldn't have been able to relate to her because yeah. her and Anna never hit it off at, at the start. No. Because there's no connection there. you have a completely different life experience. Yeah. And I mean, you know, my life is uh, mirrors a lot of what Crystal went through, a lot right. of things that I did and, you know, like that. There was a lot of relatable stuff there and has been the foundation. That common denominator has been the foundation. And so she's looking at me. The more she knows of new about me and learned, the more she saw hope for herself. Mm -hmm. And basically she's changed her life. And yeah. so that's just it. You know, this... You know, it, my belief is God brought me into her life and her into my life, you know, and the, and use this little boy. And, and, uh, and that's just, if you just, if you have a heart for service, if you want to care, if you want to be happy, think about serving somebody in some way. You don't have to become a foster parent. It'd be great if you do. You don't have to take in a homeless person. You don't have to take in a gangbanger. You don't have to, you know, but... Just even just reaching out to somebody when you're feel like you did with me is just reaching out to somebody and saying, just encouraging, don't say anything about your day, just encourage them. And you'd be surprised if you do that two or three times Take in that day, how much yourself, better you right. feel about yourself and how much stronger you feel because you're their strength. Because they'll write back to you and say, oh my God, you know, I was going through this. Right. And thank you so much. And you realize how strong you are. And, and it, it just changes makes you your perspective. Feel better, even yes. just getting the feedback. And, and like I said, I do that every day now with somebody, and I look forward to it because it feels so good. And then the connection you create with people is just immense. And then the ability you have to shine light into their life is immense. And like you, you know, when you've got the money, because we've done the same thing financially to make sure Crystal could mm -hmm. get where she needed to be. You know, we've, we've, open our pocketbooks mm -hmm. many times, you know, and, and I don't regret it. I just don't regret it. The money, there's nothing I could buy with that money that would do more and make me feel better than what I did. I could spend it on a boat and just have boat payments and boat repairs and boat things and hang it with a bunch of people. You know, it's just nothing is as fulfilling as changing a life. Right. That's how I feel. And you can truly change a life. With that, I guess we just ate up 33 minutes. <laughs> that was quick. Thanks for listening to the Good Lad Unscripted Podcast. I'm Terry Goodlad. Anna, or Anna, sorry, you're not Anna. You're no, Elaine Goodlad. Good my <laughs> sister slash ex-wife. Um, thanks for listening. If you want to find out more about Silver Bullet Anti-Aging, I'll leave a link below as well as for Blessed Body Wear. Thank you for listening. Serve somebody. It'll change your life. Thanks.